Hi, I'm Commander Shepard, and Spawn on Me podcast is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. I should go. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Spawn on Me podcast, episode 246. I am one of your hosts, the Baron of Bricago, the Bruce Wayne of Bricago. Oh, no, I'm not the Baron. I guess I am the Baron of of Bricago. I am the Baron of Bourbon. The Bruce Wayne of Bricago sees this himself, Stubby Stan, a.k.a. Cicero Holmes. And I am brought to you this week and every week. By the one who makes everything look good, he sponsors me. He is my sponsor. He is my brother up north, the fro that does all he knows. He is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you doing today, sir? Good. Uh, a couple clarifying statements. Number one, sure. saying I'm your sponsor makes it sound like you have some drug problem or alcohol problem. I am the Baron of Bourbon. Yeah, but you don't have a problem. You know, no, if, if you're no. the Baron of Bourbon, that means that yes. your tolerance is so high, you know, that like you can handle all the bourbon that you must consume. That um, is true. You know, uh, s- second uh, clarifying statement. When you say I'm up north, you make it sound like I'm like up with the wildlings, like I'm past Yo, the wall. Yo, you are beyond you know the wall, saying? son. Like you are beyond the I'm wall. I'm like an hour north of you. <laughs> yes, beyond the wall. You are like, north of the wall. I mean, that is, like, that is the Wisconsin Illinois border. I mean, you make it sound like you're in Dorn and I'm 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 like up 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 up, no, up, I, up in the wildlings, man. I'm 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 just north of Winterfell. I'm hanging out with the Karstarks. Um and then uh and you are north Sweet. of the wall, man, chilling with Mance Raider and some giants. Wow. Okay. So man, if we call if, them Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> uh, dude, just like a like Giannis zombie. Yeah, um, yes. Yes. So this is an African, a, a seven foot African that lives in Greece. <laughs> so yes, yes. Wow. So if, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, that probably meant nothing to you but uh right <laughs> if you don't watch game of thrones go watch game of thrones that's pretty go good. watch game of thrones yeah. um, at, got, at, at the very least watch like one of those video recaps of like you know or like whatever of all the seasons because quality show quality show yeah yeah you know you know what's funny is if you have watched game of thrones i recommend uh in the lull watching it again um having read the books i kind of knew what was going on and obviously the the movie the the show has deviated from the books a, a little bit and and in some significant ways um but also watching the show a second time around gives you the perspective of knowing right so like the first yeah. time you watch it and you you see all these characters there's all these characters there's all this world building there's all these things that you need to understand you miss the little tidbits uh, there are some great tidbits on the on a second or a third or a fourth watch through that you're able to pick up that really enriches your entire experience from watching Game of Thrones. So watch Game of Thrones multiple times. Uh, shout out to HBO. Hey, send your checks too. Yeah, I was like, wow, that was a ringing endorsement. Uh, yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch the last season before the next one comes out. I don't know if sure. I'll go all the way back. Well, actually, there are some episodes that I do rewatch. Yes. Like, uh, ma- mainly most of the big battle ones, like, I definitely watch. Um, I've seen multiple times because they're awesome. Um, okay, uh, so... Uh, Want to give a big, big shout out to uh, the whole crew at Not Your Mama's Gamer. Um, we had yes. a fantastic show last week. Um, I was re-listening to it on the um, NPR One app because it came up as I was listening to the news and like that kind of stuff. And because all our episodes are there, it's like weirdly interesting to be hearing a story about Donald Trump and like Helsinki, and then the next thing. It's like our show after it, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and yeah, it was, it was a great episode last, last week. And, you know, if, if you don't, um, if you don't currently subscribe or listen to the, not your mom's gaming press, uh, podcast would highly, highly recommend it. Yes, please, please. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great episode. Um, I really dug, uh, the conversation and, and the perspectives, um, of us talking about uh, the differences between uh, hip hop hip hoppers who have created dances and Fortnite and uh, an epic and their ability to monetize the dances that have come be- come from uh, a lot of those songs and whether or not those artists should receive some sort of compensation and recognition. Uh, for the creation of these things that are making uh, making epic um, millions and and actually a billion dollars. Um, also, uh, apropos to talk about uh, Fortnite yet again, really quickly, uh, because it is the one year anniversary today of uh, Fortnite being released. One year ago Man, today, it's only been a year. Jeez. Only one year, <laughs> Fortnite. Fortnite released. We are still two months away from Fortnite Battle Royale making its first appearance, um, and so the game that that released a year ago today isn't even the game that everybody is playing. Like it, like it's been around forever. Um, yeah. So that's that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. and and like the original, which I think the original game is now called Fortnite Save the World or like something yes, like that. Yes. So that version is not even in the Switch version that recently came out. It's just wow. the Battle Royale mode. Wow. So they've completely wow. just said, look, our game is Battle Royale, and 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 it's kind of taken over the original, mm-hmm. like you know, single player base building right. kind of Minecraft kind of game that they originally. Right. Um, had as the focus so very yeah. very shout out to shout out to cliff blazinski who uh who you know that was his brainchild yeah 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 exactly so, and, and and like even though he's no longer with epic you know um like like this is one of those games like you know like we'll talk about like how we talked about like uh no man's sky in the last episode this is one of those games that they showed for years and years and years and years um and took a long time to actually like materialize and i don't think right. anyone thought it would take over the public consciousness consciousness um the way that that it has no one could have predicted that no no one could have uh but shout out to our captain uh Khalif adams who last year uh, in in eh, october november ish said that he believed that Fortnite had a uh, greater appeal 
that he thought that Fortnite would be the leader in in the battle royale uh, space over PUBG. So yeah, that's he, interesting he, that he said yeah, that he, because at that yeah. time it's hard to even remember now, but PUBG right. seemed unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah. It seemed unstoppable. unstoppable, and like that was before the game was even officially released. Like everybody was right. playing like a early access buggy PC game, right? And then it originally, and and and, and then it finally got an alpha version. Sorry, a one version when it came to right. to the Xbox. Right. Um, and well, not a one version for the Xbox. Oh yeah, it got no. a 1.0 yeah. version for, for the around PC the same version. time. Uh, yeah. yeah, around the same time that the Xbox version released. Yeah, and and, uh-huh. and and like even though Fortnite dominates the conversation, PUBG is still massive. Like we definitely oh, shouldn't yes, absolutely. lose absolutely. track of the fact that PUBG is still a massive, yeah. massive yeah. sales success. Um, right. You know, it, it's just like Fortnite is free, and it was on the consoles first. And, right. And it makes his money off of microtransactions and stuff, yeah. and you know it's it's a different business model, um, and it's a lot. And it's s- one that's working. Yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah. Uh, so, so a second ago, you mentioned No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, uh, just recently, uh, one came to the Xbox One, uh, and two had a major update. Uh, Reef, did you get a chance to play it? Yes, yes. So I was very excited for this. I know that on the last show, I was a little. A little mad about it but as it got closer and i started seeing some screenshots and i saw people posting videos i definitely started thinking about my time in no man's sky so what i did was before the update dropped on the 24th like on the 22nd i i said i want to play this game as it is now to like re-familiar re-familiarize myself with it before the update dropped so i booted it up First of all, I forgot that I had 25 hours wow. in this game. I remember playing it qu- quite a bit. I don't remember playing it that much, hmm. you know. But um, so you know, I like went around. I fell into it pretty quickly. Um, what turned into let's just re-familiarize with it ended up like four hours <laughs> of me just. It's just a good zone out game, you nice. know. Um, it. And then I played it after the update drops, and it's really, really phenomenal how this team has completely turned around this game. Um, I was a huge critic of them kind of not really talking a lot to the community and just putting their heads down and like working. Mm-hmm. But I must say, it shows in the care that they have put into these free updates for the game. Um, my guess is that, you know, they only were were able to do this because they were not engaging with the community and like they had a vision and they just worked, worked and worked. And I think that not even counting the multiplayer stuff, just the changes that they made to the actual narrative of, of the game, to the visuals, to the diversity of, uh, NPCs, animals to like simplifying like the ui and the resource light collection it really really feels like um a more complete game and a more accessible game i think that it'll still have the complaint from the hardcore people that there's not enough to do because i think that it is like designed as kind of a chill game it's it's kind of like um especially with the multiplayer like a sea of thieves kind of game where you hop in and explore planets and you make your own stories and you have fun and like that's like kind of the game at its at its like highlight um yeah i really really like it i mean i i think it's fantastic i believe if you don't have it the original game i know 
at least on the PC, went on sale for 20 bucks. Um, so if you wanted to just hop in, I think it's a good time. I think they should probably permanently lower the price, though, because I yeah. think it's still a you know it's a two year old game and right. the official price is still sixty bucks, and I just right. think it's should not it's a little overpriced there, especially given like the history of it. Um, honestly, I'd rather them have it at a lower price, and if they want to charge for this uh, DLC, because this is like a transformational like a DLC, it feels like a new game i wouldn't mind them having the base game at like 30 bucks and then charge like maybe 10 or 15 bucks for for you know for the dlc or or like something like that hey i i know you're the math guy but reef i hate to point this out to you sure um i'd be remiss if i didn't point this out to you that doesn't add up to 60 dollars. no no i don't want it to add up <laughs> to uh, 60 no no i'm i'm saying that it shouldn't add up to 60 right by the well, by the by, by the way, don't you ever correct me on a show again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, man, I I wonder, uh, I wonder if they well, obviously they don't feel similarly. Um, you know, they feel like they they've got sixty dollars worth of game in here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much of the. Uh, the public agree with them that they have sixty dollars worth of game in there. Um, so, but you know, time will time will tell if they uh, re-attract their audience from the PC or from the PS4 and uh, gain a new audience on the Xbox One. I I know that I did definitely saw a few people on my games list uh, on my friends list that were playing it, um, but uh, not many, not many. Yeah, because uh, no, my my PC list has been devouring No Man's Sky. I've seen a lot of people in on it. Okay. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I've seen a, I've seen a few people that uh, that have been playing it on Steam. So what else? What else have you been playing, Reef? So I'd say that my number one game that I've really been trying to dive through is Hollow Knight. Um, it's an oh, nice. indie game that came out last year. Never got a chance to really play it, even though I owned it on the PC. Um, just got kind of overwhelmed with all the other games that came out last year. Um, but it like released on the switch. I was like, okay, it's a perfect time for me to hop in. I mean, it's only 15 bucks. So I didn't mind to buy it again and like support like a uh, developer. Um, and essentially it's a Metroidvania game, meaning that it's a game that you go around and you, and you run into places that you can't go until you get like a weapon or, or an upgrade later. And then you go back to the earlier parts and find new 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 passageways but this is a game that really delves on mystery so it's really a game that i'm glad i did not look up stuff on back when it was out because you run into things that are just amazing and they don't tell you a lot of the story like you kind of have to figure it out as you go on um but the art style is like a wonderful um the music is like great um and especially for an indie game, it's pretty long. Like, um, I've already put maybe 15 hours into it. Oh, wow. And I'm not, like, I wouldn't, based on the pace, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes me another five or so hours. Um, wow. So it definitely has a lot, but I will say you definitely have to be used to the to a kind of confusing game. Because there's sometimes where you, where, where you literally don't know what to do and, like, you have to kind of go around to like older parts and and like kind of just like hit walls or jump around or like or like use your 
new abilities in like ways that are not always super intuitive. Um, so if you're the kind of gamer that I think, you know, wants things a little more linear, like this absolutely is not the game, um, for you, but man, it's, it's a great job if you are into those kind of mysterious games. So yeah, I think it's pretty much out on everything. Like, like I think it's out on both the consoles and the PC and the switch as well. So yes, if you, if you didn't get around to it last year, um, I would definitely, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, it's kind of been like every time I've gamed on the Switch, that's pretty much been the game that I've been playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, have, have 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 you had a chance to um, play it at all? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to play Hollow Knight. Um, I did have a chance to uh, play Enter the Gungeon for Ooh, the very first time. Yes. And what do you think about that? Oh man, it's dope. Um, it's uh, uh. So if you have not played Enter the Gungeon, um, th- man, what do you say about this? So, so it's a roguelike. So, uh, like the the old school NES game Rogue, uh, it is a top down action shooter, uh, that has an eight bit or maybe maybe sixteen bit art style. Yeah, it's like a sixteen bit, I would say. Um. And uh, you have different characters that you can choose, but basically you're in these dungeons that are controlled by the gungeon and you can and uh, and you can actually uh, get new weapons and stuff like that as you as you go through all of the dungeons to try and figure out exactly what the mystery is and get yourself out of the gungeon. Um, I've only, I probably have only played it for like an hour, but it's super cool. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to, uh, to really get myself involved in it. I'm playing it on the PC. Uh, I'm not sure if it's available on the, uh, I, I thought it was on the switch. Yeah. 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 It's on the switch. Yeah. But it's, I don't think it's on. I'm pretty sure it's on PS4. Four, yeah, it's on PS4. It's not on the Xbox. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's on Xbox. Xbox. Um, but yeah, it's a fun game. I mean, yeah, it's you described it to like a T. It's it's a dungeon crawler, but with guns. Like, but it focuses right. a lot on guns. There's a lot, a lot of different guns that like you can get. Um, did you get to any of the bosses? No. Okay. Uh, just just the the boss in the tutorial. There. Okay. Was, so the bosses in this boss. game are hilarious. They all have their own like intro screens. Um, and it's weird because the game kind of has kind of a serious tone to it, but when you, yeah. but like when you get to the boss, the bosses are super silly, huh. um, super, super silly, but, but they're fun and they all have interesting like mechanics. Um, it's a really good game. Um, if you've played, uh, Binding of Isaac, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's very similar to, uh, that game. Um, except that like you can shoot in like any direction. One thing I didn't like in for Binding of Isaac is that you can only shoot in four directions, which is a little annoying. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that's very, very analog. But, um, yeah, yeah. And, and like, uh, Gungeon even has, like, you know, like, uh, you can choose your character, and they all have their own, like, upgrade trees and all that stuff. Right. Um, of course, I picked the uh, black woman when I first started, because I was like, hey. Uh, so did I. Hey, oh, always bet on black. But yes, um, women. Which, which I'm only saying because I recently watched Passenger 57 uh, at like 3 a.m. in the morning uh, oh, because I couldn't out to sleep. Snipes. Um, and wow, what a what a what a what a what a movie with some with some like mediocre to bad action sequences and really bad haircuts. 
Yes. Um, that's kind of oh, yeah. how I would describe that movie. All the terrorists yeah. have horrible, horrible 80s haircuts. Really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was it was dope for its time. It's even better now, ironically. Yeah. Um, so what what is going to be better in the future, apparently, is gaming futures, gaming's future. Uh, at least if Microsoft has something to say about it, we've learned some nor- more information about the uh, Microsoft's newest console or the upcoming console codenamed Scarlet, mm-hmm. uh, where it is going to be a streaming box, or at least that will be one of the options. Um, so uh, Phil Spencer at E3 talked about the future of Xbox hardware. Uh, and, uh, that came as a bit of a shock to some people, but I mean, I guess it really shouldn't be, uh, it's, it's about that time to start talking about that stuff, but we've got, we've got some new information. We've got some more information about, uh, codename Scarlet in the new console. Um, the first bit is that there will be at least two consoles. One will be a more traditional console, uh, for, for people who want to have uh, a you know a local machine that is going to be a heavy duty gaming machine, um, no word yet on whether or not it's going to have physical a physical media drive in it. Uh, I'm assuming that it will uh, for those for those people that are either a in places where they don't have uh, reliably strong internet and right. or for those people who really want to. Uh, still own physical discs, uh, physical media, right. uh, sure. And then there is what's being code code named Scarlet Cloud, uh, which will be a cloud service that will have some power in. You know, it'll be a set top box that will have some power in in the box itself for uh, you know controller inputs and for some processing stuff and collision detection and that kind of stuff. Uh, but primarily, um, well, you know, your games will all all exist in the cloud. There won't be any physical uh, media inputs uh, in in on the device. Uh, your games will be in the clouds. Your games will stream directly to your uh, to that box and then to whatever your output device is. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to take essentially all of your library with you. Uh, as a result of having a box that's, you know, portable, uh, presumably portable because it's, you know, it doesn't have any of the big components that our, our typical consoles have. Uh, and they also said that the the price point will probably be lower uh, because it doesn't have all of these components, the, the manufacturing components that that drive up um, typical console prices. Uh, Reef, what do you think about? Uh, both the streaming future and and codename Scarlet overall. So I'm all in on the streaming future. Um, I was big, you know, when Microsoft first announced their plans for the Xbox One. Like I, I really wanted them to go through with that side of things. Sure. Um, so I like the idea. I do. I am a little worried though that they seem to be splitting their focus. I feel like they need to either go all in on a traditional console or all in on a streaming one. Um, I think that what I worry about is that they're going to come out with two things that are good, but not great. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, unless they have two very distinct teams working on these things that all have a lot of resources, 
I just feel like a console is so complex that you have to go all in on it. And I'm worried that it'll kind of not saying that it'll be uh, uh, I'm going to bring up the Wii U and not because I think that the X, the Scarlet will be a failure like that was. But I feel like part of the reason that the Wii U was a failure was because like Nintendo didn't really know what it was. It was kind of like it's part sure. partly portable, partly home. Uh, kind of has some like specs and it kind of doesn't. So I feel like that was their attempt to sort of, you know, try to please too many people in one device. Right. Um, and, and I worry that, um, even though Microsoft is a huge company and their gaming division is obviously huge, that they won't have all their focus in to make one really dope thing and that we're going to get two things that are, you know, okay, but, right. uh, you know, not maybe not as great as if they focus on one. That's my worry. And I hope that I'm proven wrong about it. Um, you know, so. Yeah, I, man, I, that, that's a great, as usual, Reef, you've, you have a great perspective on, on that. Um, it, it, I think though that Microsoft is showing yet again, that they've learned their lessons of the past of their, of the, the hubris, um, you know, of the previous generation. And when you come out and you announce something that is by definition, if by the strictest of definitions restrictive in that way, where you, where you eliminate a choice, especially you eliminate a choice that has existed for, you know, for, for decades since, since consoles has, has, uh, have existed in, in the form of, having a physical piece of something that you purchase to, to play your games. Um, you know, the backlash for, for the Xbox one's reveal was, was strong and immediate. I think that if they had come out and said, we are going to come out with a streaming only box that there would have been an equally strong, uh, maybe not as equal, but a strong, uh, vehemence against that as well. Even though, uh, as as the generation has played itself out, we we've seen in record numbers the the levels of or the numbers and percentages of gamers, console gamers that are, have gone completely digital only. Uh, I am definitely one of those people, but I was so, someone just like you, Reef, who in, who was fully ready for uh, a digital only future, uh, but uh, but. Uh, sidebar really quickly the new playstation 4 uh uh spider-man bundle the ps4 pro spider-man bundle mm -hmm. comes with a physical copy of spider-man and i'm really upset about that, uh, <laughs> that I'm, I'm getting that but it's it's like it's really perplexing but uh Dude, but, um, but that console looks so good man. oh the console looks oh, amazing looks um so i'm so happy that i'll be getting that but but um you know, so I I think that even though even the people that will sit back and say who will never go out and actually uh, visit a game store or visit Amazon and buy a physical disc uh, will still complain about the fact that they don't have the option of going out and buying physical discs. Um, and and that's that's a shame. Um, I, I think that your worry about uh, them mixing their message and or uh bringing out a console that uh or bringing uh, uh releasing two consoles that that aren't that are good but not great 
or or great but not spectacular uh is is a valid one is a val is definitely a valid concern i i i wonder if the if the streaming box if the scarlet cloud will be powerful enough to scale going forward or because it's a streaming box they'll be able to iterate on it much more quickly and give you the ability because it's such a low cost to give you the ability to go out and buy the new version uh two years three years down the road after after the console is released my big worry is one that no one seems to be talking about which is not the consoles themselves um and not the delivery message or the delivery method but your isps Mm. um like you the know, data caps and stuff. Right. Yes, because I have, I have, especially with when when uh, my stepchildren come back home from college, I hit the, uh, I I I'm sitting right on the cusp of my one terabyte monthly <laughs> data cap limit from from uh, from Comcast, and they're very draconian about how their rules work with when you go over that cap. I think it's. 50 bucks for 50 gigs or, or 10 bucks or so. I don't know what it is. I don't know how much it is. I know that it is, it is more than I want to spend. I already spent a lot with them. And then the only way for me to eliminate that cost, that additional cost is for me to upgrade to a business, right. um, you know, a, a business line uh, for, for my internet service. Uh, and then, you know, and then that of course is tiered and, and, based on uh how much you're you're willing to spend right uh yeah so i'm i'm worried especially with the with regards to the political climate uh and and the fact that net neutrality has been has been uh shut down how how quickly and how um voraciously the the cable providers the isps are salivating at the ability to charge gamers more and more money to allow them to stream their games, their Netflix, their Hulu, their Amazon, and all everything, everything that comes out of this media box. Um, that That's something that I worry about. You know, you bring up a good point with net, net neutrality. I really did not even consider that, but you're absolutely right. Like, They'll have the freedom to create the gamer package or whatever, right? right? That is right. like astronomically expensive, but is realistically the only way that you'd be able to, you know, if you're dreaming a game with 4K visuals and huge textures, it's going to take up right. a lot, a lot of memory. And right. so it might be that you have to sign up for one of these and and, and, and they can gouge you on it. Um, so, yep. yeah, I totally did not think about that. So thanks for bringing that up um one thing that i do like in the article though is that it does say that they believe that they solved or come close to solving the issue of latency by having not a set-top box as we would think about it which is basically just a dumb small thing that just outputs stuff but they're actually going to have some processing power in it so like they're basically going to have what people thought that the switches dock would be Kind of right. like it'll have it'll do like um, collision like uh, detection and like uh, some of 
the uh, controller input, image, like a processing. So they'll do a lot of that stuff locally. So it's not sending right. everything out to, to uh, ping the cloud and then like coming back. So it so it's really only gonna um, reach out for like the big stuff. So like uh, that that means that you won't see a lot of the uh, the uh, controller lag that that you saw with a service like on live, you know, right. Um, right. or like you now early. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, or like e- even with like PS now and like that kind of right. stuff. Um, right. And I think that that also gives them the option as like you said, to upgrade that box. Like, like uh, what, if, what if it's a box where, where, where like you could swap in d- d- different components. Like I could buy, say, I don't know, like a fit, like a $50 based Scarlet one. And there's oh, different like. Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Thirty two Xbox. I'm just saying. Is that is that what we're gonna that's do? A, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, w- I, w- I want to have like the thirty two X inside of a Saturn, right? Like on top of a Genesis and a Sega CD in there. You know, let's all do right. it. All right, all right. Uh, let's yeah, let's do it. Or Turbo Graphics, Graphics <laughs> sixteen. Yeah, which was actually the Turbo Graphics eight. Um, yeah, I man, um. The, so the one thing that this does do uh, that that or at least highlights um, that is that is definitely a positive for Microsoft, and I think Microsoft has been has really been knocking it out of the park over the last few years. Uh, really, actually, since Phil Spencer took over as the head of of Xbox, it's, it's really been this this really positive sloping curve upwards uh, in terms of uh, how they. Um, cater to gamers and and uh what their business model is i i think uh, it's really really exciting um what this allows you to do is it really it really cements the idea that that uh, phil phil spencer had a few years back when he talked about uh the library your gaming your xbox gaming library living with you as long as you were an Xbox gamer, irrespective of what generation we were talking about. And we've seen that play out over the last couple of years with backwards compatibility mm. with, uh, you know, Xbox 360 games being backwards compatible. And then last year, adding Xbox original games uh, to backwards compatibility uh, going forward, we'll be able to see more of that with Xbox One backwards compatibility, I'm sure, uh, and as well as our ability to use Xbox Game Pass as a service. Uh, if you carry that forward, that's going to be a remarkable thing that will allow gamers to continue to play games that they've loved over the over the course of years and never really feel like. Th- you know, yes, obviously you want to you want to play the best and brightest and the newest of games, but it's not the reason that you love gaming. There are there are experiences that you have with with specific games um, that really bring you back to those games. And I think it's a great experience or it's great when you can sit and say, oh, I've got the latest generation of Xbox here i can play a game that is 15 years old on that console as opposed to uh you know like every year if you come out and for spawn for good and you play a lot of retro games Mm -hmm. and that's awesome 
But in order for you to play those retro games, you've got to find your console. You've got to find the the uh, the cartridge or disc or whatever it is. You got to find that media. Then you've got to hook up the Elgato, and then, you know you've got to do all this stuff. If you had a console that was ready to go, and and all you had to do was select the title, yeah, I mean that takes all of the guesswork out of it. Yeah, it's awesome. um, yeah, and and uh, you know, speaking of, so like you you've got Game Pass. You've got uh, services like PlayStation Plus and Games with Gold. Um, Games with Gold for August that that was just announced this uh, today also. And man, if you are an Xbox gamer, congratulations! As long as you have Xbox Live in August, you're going to be able to get uh, basically I think four yeah. four spectacular games yeah. um, from from Xbox's past and Xbox's recent past. Uh, the games available for the Xbox One will be Forza Horizon 2, uh, which is, you know, I don't need to extol its virtues any any further. Um, fantastic game. Yeah. If you've never played it's it, like, you own an Xbox. It's like one of the premier Microsoft brands. Yes. Um, they're giving for free. Well, well not yeah. free, but with, with your purchase. Of with, yeah, with, yeah, with Xbox Live. And then um, a game that uh, was ignored... Um, you know, came out with with a lot of excitement, was ignored for a long time. And we you know, we've kind of talked about it over the last couple of weeks uh, has has received some somewhat of a renaissance uh, and will receive even more with with the updates that are coming out really soon. And that's Ubisoft for honor. Um, so this game is if you're not playing it, but you own it go back it is much much better than it was uh when it when it uh launched 15 months ago yep and uh it will only get better i i i don't know if we have any footage from e3 but i got to play uh i tanya and i uh got to play the new siege mode uh while we were at e3 and it was a lot of fun um and it is really going to bring back so if you guys have it um uh make sure you check that out because when it when it drops in october that's going to be a lot of fun but if you don't have it and you do have an xbox and you do have xbox live in august you'll be able to get that game uh for the price of your subscription to xbox live you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you do not get it and you don't even have to download it at that particular moment yeah. just you know just select it yeah select the purchase cancel the download but you've got it in your library forever but uh what else you can get talking about backwards compatibility is uh a great game or a good game from a great franchise that as you said reef for for the price of xbox live so basically for free um, is a great get, and that is Dead Space Three from EA. Um, fantastic game. Or, well, I won't say. It's, well, it is a fantastic game in a in a vacuum. It just doesn't live up to. Yeah. I think the bar was set really high, but for the first two Very games, high. <laughs> yeah, and and it's not quite up to to this that same level. Um, but but a definitely a game worth getting. Um, yeah, yeah, and the, and, and like remember that yeah. like visceral is not around anymore right um and this is you know i think in retrospect it's a much like i haven't played it since it originally came out 
But when I think about it, it, it was not a bad game. It's just, as you said, Dead Space 2, for a lot of people, was one of their favorite games of that generation. Right. So it's hard to follow that stuff up. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other game is a game that a lot of people slept on. And uh, they shouldn't have. It, it's It's a great game. And now you have a chance to revisit it. And that is Epic Mickey. Um, this game seemed really esoteric. It, like it didn't seem like it fit any real genre. It's kind of like a side-scrolling Mickey game, which sounds like, oh, that's for the kids, but it's not. Uh, it is really good. It's, it's uh, artistically, obviously, it looks phenomenal. And and I'm I'm sure that today it looks just as good as it did when it released. Uh, oh, probably seven, eight years yeah, ago. Two thousand eleven. Yeah. Wow. Ah, Stubbs is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, and uh, so be, you know because of the art style, you know the art style obviously is uh, eerily reminiscent of uh, Cuphead, um, because Cuphead obviously borrowed heavily from. That same that same era, the steamboat steamboat Mickey era, uh, but as you move through the different levels, the art style changes to be you know the art style changes for whatever animation, whatever uh, different Disney property you happen to be in at that particular time. So uh, this is this is also very interesting. It's a it's an interesting time capsule because this is a time in disney's life before they acquired both right. marvel and star wars i think yeah. um or at least they had to if they had the star wars license they weren't using the star wars license in any of their properties yet um so so it is it is definitely an interesting look back yeah. into what disney was and it might have been either before or right after pixar too yeah, well, uh, well, I mean, Pixar was theirs first, and then they separated, and then yeah, they came back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, like before they reacquired. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you 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 might be right. You might be right. Yeah. So also, I wanted to mention on For Honor that if you haven't played it in a while or like never played it, um, I was big on it when it first dropped, and then I just could not keep connected to matches and it. Right, and because it's a game that relies on having an online connection, um, I just dropped it. But now they, you know, in March they got dedicated servers for every platform, yes. and you know when I played it, I haven't gotten kicked out um, at all. You know, so um, there's been a ton of updates. They've they've been doing. I think they're on their fifth season now, so they've been rolling out new like characters and campaigns and like all that stuff. They've really, really fleshed it out in the same way that, you know, that like Hello Games has sort of like continually worked on like No Man's Sky. I feel like the Ubi team that's in charge of like For Honor, they didn't just give up on the game. You know, right. they they stayed on it. Um, obviously, Ubi has the resources to kind of push through um, and like I delivered the experience that they wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it, it just came out really, really well. I would... I think for uh, free, it's a it's a no brainer, um, 
And even though I don't have an Xbox, I want to try out Epic Mickey. Like I, I, I was looking at some like video from it, and, and it does look um, visually very, very cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I must make a correction really quickly. Um, Epic Mickey came out in 2011. Yeah, was a really great game. The game that'll be available in August uh, for Games with Gold is Epi- Epic Mickey Two, and I don't know anything about that <laughs> shit. I know Epic, nothing about but, Epic Mickey Two. But it's called the Power of Two. It's called the Power of Two. Um, I, I don't know what that bullshit is supposed <laughs> to mean. Wow, like like I, that right. ringing endorsement just went right, went right. Away. It just it's look, look. You're not gonna put you're not gonna put my name. On this, uh, I don't know him like that. Uh, I know Epic Mickey. Epic Mickey's that dude, but Epic Mickey well, 2? Well, I'm looking forward on the next show to hearing your review of Epic Mickey 2. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, 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 like if it's out, well, the the uh, show after when it comes out, uh, I look All right. forward to hear your impressions. Hearing, hearing about Epic Mickey 2? Uh, yeah, two. hopefully it's not too big so I don't have to worry about Comcast because I, I ain't uh, ruining my data cap for epic mickey 2 look man these <laughs> are the risks big. these are the risks we take right. as this, podcasters this, right okay. this is what i have to do yeah that's what you have to do stop complaining all right, all right. I'll, I'll do i'll do it for bricago yeah um but uh yeah so i mean either way uh if you know i mean it came from good dna uh, that's not necessarily a ringing endorsement but uh you know hopefully epic mickey 2 is at least close to as good as the first one. Um, the fact that I didn't even know that the game existed is not a good omen. Um, but the, you know what? Uh, Microsoft has done a pretty good job of curating the games that they make available for the games with gold. And they are at least games of note. Um, so it's, it, you know, I mean, if, if for nothing else, just go ahead and download it. Cause it's, you know, it's available. Yeah. You don't have to spend any additional money on it. Um, but uh, let's see. So uh, what else can game companies do to cater to their fans or should they be catering, catering to their community like or the customers like who who are is the community? the customer and the customer of the community are they two separate things um there was a really interesting article on uh waypoint that that kind of posited that question uh reef why don't you talk about the distinction between those two sure um so it's it's kind of a um you know it's like kind of known that not only in games but in things like you know facebook and different kind of websites that really the consumers like like the consumers are people that they sell ads to or like people that like give them money right Mm -hmm. and when it comes to certain games especially you know like free-to-play games like fortnite and like such right Right. they really depend on money from microtransactions and like that kind of stuff so it's not like you buy the game and you're done right? right um so what this story does is it does a good job of showing you know, so they talk about they talk to someone that's a moderator for like a major game and they right. talk about how difficult it is to get rid of somebody that's spending a lot of money on their game. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, you know, a person who they call super creep. I don't think that's their <laughs> official name. He's a super good. creep. Super, super creep. creep. It's super creepy. Super creepy. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so like uh, they just talk about how this person just did inappropriate, inappropriate things. And even though there was a code of conduct that said if you do this stuff, like you'll get banned and removed from the game, this person was spending so much money that they never got banned, you know? And like they would get like temp bans or they would get like muted. And basically what the moderator says that they would try to bring it up to the management and the management said like, yo, like essentially this person's making too much money, right. you know? Um, and at the end, they actually ended up permanently muting the person, but not banning <laughs> not the person banning him, right? so that they could still, so that, so, so that they couldn't like message people in the game and like harass people, but they could still play the game and like, and like all that stuff. And this is after just back and back and forth of this person harassing the moderators, like harassing people in the game, leaving all kind of lewd messages and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, it just went back and forth and that was their like response. So it kind of makes me think that, and remember that when you're dealing with these games, remember that the moderators and the community managers only have so much power. Like, when it comes to banning someone or removing something, that's a financial decision that usually an executive makes because it goes to, you know, the bottom line of that product. Right. And when it comes to it, they're going to do what they can to retain that person, you know, which sucks, um, right. especially because a lot of companies pay lip service to, you know, making sure that their communities are not toxic and that they promote good, good, good discussions and stuff. And I'm guessing that their idea of a non-toxic community means you mute the people that are toxic, but you still keep them in the community. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is, you know, I don't really like. Like, I can understand it from a cold, rational business perspective, like a like a decision that a that a robot like would make. <laughs> um, you know, and, and like I apologize to our to our future robot overlords, but right. um, that is a decision that like a robot like would make, but. You know, you got to have some empathy and you got to, I mean, not empathy for the harassers, but you have to have empathy for for the people being harassed. They've got empathy for their bottom line, man. I know, but sometimes you got to take that hit and get rid of motherfuckers. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying ban everybody that does one thing wrong, but this is a person that just exhibited just months and months and months of not only harassment of a people, but harassment of the community managers and the moderators. So like they're harassing employees of the company. Right. He's an habitual line stepper. Yeah. Yeah. Super creep. Um, <laughs> what, what, what that, what that shows is um, uh, there is a version of gaming affluenza oh, and, 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 you know, and that, I mean, that's what it is. Like, you you can grow in all you want, but that's what it is. It it shows that, uh, especially with these free to play games, that you know the free to play games are all about the whales. They're all about those people that will spend an inordinate amount of money on a game that they really like, and those people have influence. They obviously hold sway over uh you know over the decisions that are made. Uh, vis-a-vis their conduct within those games um, because because they have spent enough money that essentially they have uh, by proxy in ownership stake in in the game success 
Yeah, and uh, um, the uh, point that the moderator also makes is that there are people that get banned instantly, but those are like scammers, right. hackers, right. cheaters, right. and like people that basically try to manipulate the economy in the game because all those things affect the money, you know? Right. And those people get banned quickly, but if you're yes. spending money and just harassing everyone, you get right. you get muted only after you know several 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 months of right, like right. of like back and forth you know um, so what what's what's in your in your viewpoint what is the happy medium or is the you know what ideally well let's not even look ideally your your uh Sharif Jackson CEO of gaming looks good studios mm -hmm. and you've got a you've got a ftp game or f2 f2p game mm -hmm. that is out there and you've got someone who is a troll mm -hmm. but they are also spending they are they are a one percenter in terms of revenue generation for uh for your studio what mm -hmm. what do you what do you do with that person so my whole thing is make a tos and stick to it Mm -hmm. Like you don't have like my one of my things that pisses me off is people make this code of conduct to look good and then they ignore it. Right. So like, you know, put in the code of like conduct what the conditions are to be banned. Right. And if you don't feel comfortable banning people that are that are high sellers and don't put that harassers will be banned, which every company almost has in their thing. Right. Right. So I would make something that says, if you do these things, you will be banned and I would stick to it. I mean, because my belief is if you get rid of toxic people, more good people will come to, will support you for it. Yeah. But they won't spend as much. And you know, it's one thing. I think eventually th that plus the positive press will outweigh what that person spent. So I appreciate what you're saying. Um, but especially with a free to play game, it's one thing for a game, you know, a game that costs whatever it costs. Um, and, and yes, it makes sense. If the game costs 20 bucks and it has a cash shop and that person is in the top 10% of people that are spending money in the cash shop, Getting rid of that one person, banning that person, and having, uh, getting all of the positive press that comes with banning someone who is clearly a, 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 a harasser out of there, you can compensate. You can, you know, you can compensate the the money loss from that person. But if you take a free to play game and you and you remove that person who is in the top five, top ten, top one percent of of purchasers of your free-to-play game it doesn't matter how many quote-unquote good people you get to replace that person you have no guarantee that any of those people even if you get a you know let's say you get a hundred people to replace that one troll there's no guarantee that any of those hundred people or those hundred people collectively will equal to the amount of money that that one person is spending. Um, and I think that's, oh, I that's the, that's the value proposition that, that, 
gaming gaming companies make, uh, especially you know games that are free to play, make when they when they're dealing with people that are uh, that suffer from gaming affluenza. Um, and uh, let's get that trending. Yeah, um, so, yeah. I mean, so, I, I I understand all that. I'm just saying right. that you got to be happy with making less money. And, it, uh, and you know, and happiness, it, happiness don't feed feed the baby. Don't well, put, uh, you you, know. you have to have some morals and ethics as a company. Uh, every company no, talks. You about don't have it, to. Every, you, but, you would like for them to do so. But like every company talks about it. Like there's no company that sure. says we're an immoral and unethical company that'll make money any way right. possible. No company says right. that. They all no say company. that they right. are, and they all have a code of like conduct. And my thing is just stick right. to whatever you have in there. Like it's right. That's no, it. no if, company, no company broadcasts at their evil corp, but every company is evil corp. Um, and you know, and like it, that may sound cynical, but it's but it, that's closer to the truth than than the opposite. Yeah, I I disagree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I think that companies make trade offs all all the time, and sometimes you got to make a trade. You know, like, you know, sometimes you got to make a trade off, and mm-hmm. and if that meant something fatal, like your company doesn't make enough money to stay in business, then maybe you don't belong in this business. Mm, wow. You know, maybe, wow. Maybe your business model is fucked up. If it depends on one toxic ass person holding your whole company up, yeah, mm. oh, so. well, that's fair. That's fair. I personally think that um, muting a uh, muting a player that is a is a, a uh, is an harasser, um, but but is also a um, a money maker uh, for for the company or for that particular game is a pragmatic solution. Um, I think it would have been better for them if they had come to that solution earlier. Yes. But I think that I, I think that, that they were. Yeah, I think that they were trying to figure out the best way to handle that. And then, it, you know, and then someone had a light bulb moment and figured out like, oh, yeah, we could do this thing. And it and it serves both serves both mistresses or both masters. Um, <laughs> both mistresses. So, so um mute that mistress Um, yes exactly yeah Yeah, so yeah i mean i i think that companies need to spend more time thinking about their code of conduct think like anticipate bad behavior and because it's not a surprise and and think about what you're going to do with it like there should not be a surprise that someone might harass people repeatedly so before you launch a game you got to think about that shit what are we going to do you know, right? And like, say, hey, if you are asked these people and you don't respond here, then you get muted. If you keep on doing it some other way, then you get banned. And just do it. Right. Just execute. Right. Like, uh, companies yeah. do this with ethics policies and company harassment policies all the time. Like, sure, it shouldn't sure. be any different with consumers. And like, again, if that affects your bottom line that bad, then you gotta take that L. Mm. Okay. So. Well, you know that is that is definitely a perspective, um, but Reef, what up? Uh, so you know you talked about some of the games that you played. I know that one of the games that you played was Destiny Two. Yes, Destiny Two. Uh, um, much maligned. Speaking of maligned games, much maligned game for its cash shop. Um, but when Destiny first 
released oh so many years ago. <laughs> it one seems of the, like so well, long ago, right? Yeah. One of the great things about that game was, uh, or or one of the one of the I guess it was it was uh, twofold. So it was it was um, something that it was knocked for. It was definitely dinged for. Was not having a story that gamers could easily follow um, with with lore and rich history, except that it was also praised for having a lore and rich history in the form of its grimoire cards. Uh, and, you know, people were upset because they were like, hey, I'm sitting down to play this game. I don't want to spend, uh, you know, if I've got an hour to game, I don't want to spend 20 minutes of that hour reading about the lore and the history of this game. Why can't I learn about that while I'm while I'm actually playing the game? But uh, Activision and Bungie uh, and the and the great writers over uh, in Bungie that have come up with this lore have done the perfect thing. They have created a coffee table book that is the Destiny lore. Yeah. Called Grimoire. Yeah. It is. It is super super dope um it's called the grimoire anthology and uh it collects all of the grimoire cards uh in together in one great coffee table book uh the art style looks really phenomenal um i don't know when it's gonna be out it'll be out this fall but i don't know how much it's gonna cost uh 25 dollars 25 bucks oh all right um that looks pretty cool. Reef, did you did you spend a lot of time reading Grimoire cards? I spent a lot of time reading Grimoire cards. Um, <laughs> I mean, for games I love, I do tend to dive deep into the lore. Like before Destiny, I think the last game I really did that a lot with was Mass Effect. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot, a lot of background in Mass Effect that yes. you can play the game without understanding it and knowing it and still enjoy it. But man, if you go through the codex, they chronicle so much of the history of like humans and like how they interacted with the aliens at first and relationships between the races and there's just really really good stuff so like mass effect 3 i remember they had you could download the codex as an app and listen to all the stuff in it and i was that person where i'd walk around listening to Shit about the fucking like Rachni Wars and the <laughs> Salarians and the Krogan right. and the Genophage and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I for games I like, I really d- dive into it. Um, for Destiny, you know, there the story in Destiny was never the draw. I feel like, but the lore was always really good. It was just never really executed well in game. But when the Taken King, the first major expansion, well, well, the uh, the uh, year two. Um, expansion for Destiny came out. They introduced all this great lore um, called the Book of Sorrows, um, which was all in like grimoire cards, but man, it was fascinating. Um, so I love that they're putting all this in a coffee table book because I I own several video game um, books like that. I own a Mass Effect one. I own a Zelda one. Um, I love ones that like focus on the art um, right. and the story stories as well but one thing i saw popping up on reddit and some other places is they were a little upset because they thought that this like a lot of people have been 
getting at Bungie for not putting more of the lore in game and easy to access. So they're thinking that if this book is successful, then Bungie is not going to put any lore in the game and only sell it to you in these books because this is like volume one, right? right. So like they're intending this to be a series. So sure. like people are like worried that, you know, I'm paying 60 bucks for this game and then I got to pay another $25 to get like the lore that I want in the game. Um, I don't necessarily buy it because to me, lore is always optional and the game doesn't depend on it. It's just, if you're super hardcore about knowing narrative and story, it's an extra thing that you should pay for, you know? Um, uh, But yeah, I think this is a fascinating idea um, and they give one of the pages of the artwork and it looks phenomenal Yes. And I love that, like, like the video game, like the narrative and the story teams really put a lot of work into this stuff, into creating these worlds. And I love whenever there's a medium, whether it's a movie or a book or, you know, or like a, 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 a YouTube clip that really shows more information on the stories that these creators make. So I'm, I'm completely... thumbs up on this and i will definitely be pre-ordering my copy yeah so uh you know last week we talked about the um scholarly latent uh nature of of gaming um and and how it's it's laughable to think that games aren't scholarly Uh, when you look at books like this this is definitely uh, a piece of scholarship uh, that you can that you can glean from from you know how much depth actually goes into these games and uh, you know I, that's that's one point and the other point is I love this industry I love this hobby I'm obviously very very passionate about it but sometimes I really fucking hate the people that are in it I, you know sometimes yep. I just really do because you know a motherfucker will find shit to complain about just to complain about shit uh, you know where were these people complaining about halo stories that's that were set outside of the halos you know or were they complaining that not enough of those stories were in the games i'm sure that some of them were but you know fuck you uh, look it's their grimoire cards in the game there are tons of them tons of them so they could probably put out three or four volumes of these books, because the book's only 128 pages and it's got illustrations in it, they could probably put out three or four of these volumes and and only cover the the original Destiny, right? You know, uh, let alone the expansions that you got, and we're not even talking about Destiny two. So so the the fact is there is lots and lots and lots of lore that people were complaining that they didn't get a chance to really investigate because they were spending more of their time gaming uh playing the game than they were reading about the the history of the game that you can now have available to you in these coffee table style books uh and the the fact the fact that someone would worry that in uh 512 pages that they would start even you know i mean they're complaining about maybe 256 pages the fact that they're complaining that in even 512 pages that they would that activision or bungie would start putting out lore that has uh yet heretofore not been included 
in in the games that you've been playing it's just absolutely asinine it's just ridiculous you know there like i trip over grimoire cards when i'm playing that game there's so much so much there that you can that you can sit and they could do one just for weapons that would be two volumes they could do one uh on the different classes that would be a volume or two they could do i mean there's so much you talk about the races those i mean those could be separate books on their own yeah and like i think that is so the the their argument is that it's a cash grab and that they'll put less in the game and more in these books and that you'll quote quote unquote forced to get the books to get the full um the fullness of the story that you should have gotten in the game which i i disagree with because almost every medium has extra stuff you can optionally get but the shit's already in the fucking game they're pulling the shit out of the game to put it in a book look look so not making sense okay right you know like they're just literally plagiarizing themselves <laughs> and copying what's in the game already and putting it in in a book. So if you don't want to buy the book and you'd rather read it in the game, then don't complain about it being in the game where you've got to read it uh and just play the damn game and read it in the game. Otherwise, there's a pleasant book that is put together for you and probably, you know, everything is put together and and uh, is categorizing in a, in a way that that makes sense, and all of that stuff is there. Uh, like again, man, people people will complain about shit just because they like to complain about shit, and that's really dumb. Um, what what hopefully wasn't really dumb was this episode of Spawn on Me. Of course me. not. Um, Excellent transition, and, by the way. And, yeah, A1 thank you, thank transition. you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And and hopefully you're not complaining about the fact that it is over. We will be back next week. Um, But uh, thank you guys so much for for showing up. And uh, Sharif Jackson, if you would be so kind, could you stroke your beard? (laughs) And since no one could say it's a majestic beard, by the way, Um, stroke your beard and give people the social media business. Sure. Uh, So. SpawnOn.me is a website with the podcast archive, so you can see all of our old shows. You can see our pretty faces and other details about the show as well. Um, Twitter, Facebook, you can go to Spawn On Me, um, Spawn On Me Podcast on Instagram, and that's also our Gmail address, Spawn On Me Podcast at gmail.com as well. Um, if you want some merch, um, go to our T Public site, uh, which is Spawn On. Uh, I don't know the exact URL. I should probably know that. But if you go to T Public and search for Spawn on Me, then you can see our, uh, you know, our uh, mugs and all that stuff. There's even a Spawn on Me pillow. Uh, if you want to cuddle up with us at night, um, there's a pillow of the logo. Um, though I might like like replace that to be like Cicero's face. You can like <laughs> cuddle up with his face. Um, there you go. Yeah, and. Um, if you're listening to the audio broadcast, uh, we do broadcast our show live on Twitch on Thursdays um, at 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 Eastern. Um, we did not do it for this episode because we had some tech issues, but we normally do. Um, and uh, so like, make sure to like 
catch us live there and look at the uh, videos on demand to catch all of our uh, previous shows as well. Um, and if you want to go above and beyond and support us uh, financially to help us get to conferences, upgrade our equipment, and generally like deliver the dopest show that we can, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash spawnami. Um, there's like different tiers that you can uh, donate at and, and, and you can also get access to our bonus podcasts like material um, and some uh, behind the scenes kind of video stuff that I know that uh, Kyle was sending out during uh, E3 as well. So um, check all that out and, and support us. Make sure to tell your friends and I'll throw it back to see. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, that was awesome. Cool, 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 and cool. Uh, remember uh, also uh, that coming up, if you are in the Seattle land area, uh, I don't know if they call it Seattle land, but if you are in the Seattle area in the Pacific Northwest, that uh, both myself, Khalif Adams, will be at PAX West. Uh, hosting a panel, doing a live episode of the show right there from PAX West while simultaneously Sharif Jackson will be on the other corner of the country in Hotlanta sitting with the mother of all Dragon Cons. You like what I did there? Um, So make sure... uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, make sure you guys stay tuned to our social media channels for more information about all the different things that we are doing in the upcoming months. Uh, we've got some great shows coming for you, coming to you in August. Uh, some really big guests, uh, and uh, we're really excited for that. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, but for now, this has been Cicero Holmes with uh, Sharif Jackson. This has been the Spawn on Me podcast, episode 246, and we say peace. Peace, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah.